Amen. Hey, let me tell you what that moment is right there. Uh, we don't play a little song in between announcements and preaching, so because I need some sort of like walkout music to take a spiritual at bat. That's not my entrance music. That's entering into the presence of God. And I realize for some of you who've been here a while, that seems like part of the routine. There is nothing routine about our worship and our praise. It's a cry of our collective heart that we need more of God. It's actually to prepare us for what God has prepared for us. He wants to meet with you. And so when we praise and when we worship, we create an atmosphere of expectation. I don't know about you, but I don't just want a sermon. I want to see God. I don't know about you. I don't want just a little bit more hope. I want heaven to show up. I need heaven's help. This life thing is hard. God, I need your hand. So I don't just praise when I feel good. In fact, I praise more when I don't know where I'm going, when my faith feels low, because that's when he wants to show up. So let's try it again. When you swing and miss last opportunity, here's a moment to give God a heart of expectation, to say, you're the authority over my life. God, I need you. I praise you. I might not have a lot to praise out there, but because of the cross 2,000 years ago, you're with me now. And so I praise you in advance for all you're going to do, all you want to say to me. Change me, Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all looking good. You feeling good? Let's welcome the online audience and church family. We love you so much. And let's welcome the men of Lansing. We love you. Our location right there. Man, Thursday night we were there on the Mac side. And Thursday night we had, JP, we had some church on Thursday. The place was packed. And you guys don't even know this. There's 100 plus guys that say, Kingdom City's my church. It's probably more than that. Those are the only ones that are allowed to show up. And this, we got a church location right there. And yeah, we saw like nine guys give their heart to Jesus. Come on, that's pretty special. Lansing, we love you. Great days ahead of you. Awesome, you guys can grab your seats. Hey, I wanted to say this, this has been, for me, I don't know about you, and maybe you haven't been there this year, you're first, maybe you're brand new to our church, we're so glad that you're here. But this has been the best fast of my life. We've been doing this, not always 21 days, but we've been doing this for, for 13 years. And uh, God has been so good. I would say this, this has been, uh, I feel like even on Thursday, just so you know, I just felt like I got this little miracle. It's like this little breakthrough. And uh, I think in years past, I would have been like, hey, that's it, God done did it. But I just felt like it was the beginning. And so maybe you haven't experienced all that you want. Maybe you don't got your word for the year. Maybe you, maybe you don't have that answer quite yet. I'm telling you, it, just even today, I feel like God's gonna speak. I feel like tonight, God is going to move. I don't know about you, I'm gonna put a demand in the atmosphere of this room for just the heaven to show up and to help us. And we're gonna have a celebration ahead of time. Come on, it's, we're celebrating what the end of the year is gonna look like ahead of time, by faith. So I wanna encourage you to be out there. And I, you haven't got your thing yet, he's got it for you, amen? A amen. We've been in this series to kick off January to, uh, to kind of really talk about the culture of the kingdom, kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is not just Kingdom City. It's what, what does it look like for those that participate as Jesus is king in their life? How do we live in the world around us? 
What does the Bible tell us about the, the people of faith? How are we supposed to act, behave? What's our, our values? What, what drives us? What defines us? It's the culture of the kingdom. So as we've been talking through some of the things we believe are, are just kingdom principles for every believer, we're also declaring that's the culture of this house. And I would say for you, if, as a believer, you should be able to look at this series and even today's message and say, God, is this the culture of my life? And even if you can answer a yes in some areas, I believe there's always more that the kingdom of God wants to do in you and come alive on the inside of you. We said, first and foremost, Jesus is our culture. If it doesn't look like Jesus, we got to change. We want to look like Jesus to the world. That's what we're called to do. Uh, Pastor Liz brought an amazing message. She said, destiny is a daily decision. We say that a lot, but what do we mean? Is you just wake up one day and you're walking in the fulfillment of everything God has for you. You know, it's every single day God's developing you, God's growing you. Uh, we talked about that unity is our strength. That in a world that is so divided, the people of the kingdom and the people of Kingdom City Church, we're united and we're for each other, amen? Today I wanna talk about faith. Faith is our focus. And for some of you, when I say faith, you think uh, a generic like, yes, I have a Christian faith. I'm not talking about that, that religious belief, I'm talking about your daily belief that the goodness of God is at work in your life. To believe that God wants to do more than what you can just create with your own ability or what seems like maybe a random opportunity. That God is actually aligning your life when you would believe for his best to experience all that he has for you in his kingdom. That we would be people of faith that take God at his word and then would see God results in this world. What's faith? Faith is not denying the facts. Faith isn't closing your eyes and putting your fingers in your ears when you get a bad report or you're dealing with a difficult situation. Faith isn't saying that life isn't sometimes frustrating and difficult. No, faith is just framing a different way of looking. Perspective. It's choosing a perspective. What's bigger than what you're going through is the goodness of your God. That he is good and does good for his, for his children. Faith is framing your worldview that if God wants to do it differently, then we're going to believe it and we're going to see it. It's believing in his ability to move mountains. I love what Liz said in the prayer time, that we don't just talk about our mountains. Don't talk about all that's coming against us. No, we speak to our mountains. We'll look at that passage in a moment. And we say that, God, you can change every situation and every situation and every struggle in our life. And so what we believe as a church, if faith is our focus, that we always have a mindset that makes room for the miraculous. It doesn't mean we don't have natural responsibilities. It doesn't mean we don't have to operate in obedience. It's just we're not rewarded just by our own ability to do something. That God can show up and do what we cannot do when we make open room make space for the miraculous to happen. This is what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Last year, as we kind of preached through the Bible reading plan, this year we're going back into series. I really believe God's gonna do some building block, crucial pieces of strength and stability in your life and in your family. But last year, as we preached through the Bible, I did take a break for about six weeks or so, and I taught on the Holy Spirit really unfiltered, what I really believe, what I believe the Bible shows about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I did that, and I, this is not, we do this and other churches don't, it's not us versus them. I just feel like there's sometimes things in the Word of God and in this life God has for us 
They can get a little weird, they get a little interesting. It's definitely been twisted from a time or two by, by interesting people. So that sometimes we wouldn't maybe talk about the Holy Spirit because we don't want people to think, oh, we're like that. No, but if it's in God's word, we want it leveraged in our life, amen? And faith is another one of those. Because you got this whole crew out there that's like, hey, just name it, claim it, believe it, God will bring it. If you just say something, God's gonna do something. Now, I don't even have a problem with any of those statements, but that's not our motivation. Our motivation for faith is that we would be everything God has called us to be in our life, and that we would see everything God wants to do in our life and in our world. Our motivation for faith isn't just for me. It isn't just for you. It's for the ministry of Jesus on the earth, that we don't have to settle for status quo. We don't have to settle just for circumstances and just the situation we're in. We can see it the way that God sees it, and we can experience what he has for us. This is why we need faith. Faith for more. Faith for God to show up. Faith for miracles. Faith for breakthrough. And I would say if you just give a little bit of room, for some of you, you gotta turn down the cynicism and the criticism and just have an open heart, open spirit for God to speak to you through the scripture to where you need to grow your faith. And if you grow your faith, it will grow your life. Amen? Are we ready for God's word? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I thank you for this amazing church family, all you've done. I thank you for this time of prayer and fasting. Really, we believe it is holy ground, that you're up to something special. And Lord, we've given you the beginning of our year because we want you to go first. We want you to go first in every area. You're king over everything. And so we thank you for your kingdom and the kingdom culture. Let it rule and reign in our lives. Let us grow and mature in our faith. Let us look more like Jesus. We thank you that your kingdom will be expanded in Kingdom City, in our church, in our city, in this nation. We thank you, Lord, that you're king over everything and everywhere, including Baltimore. Let your kingdom move. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, too sacrilegious for you, I get it. Don't think, don't think, I know you're thinking about it, so let's go get a win tonight. Then you come back for prayer, and we'll celebrate, or we'll be believing for next year. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Faith is our focus. Faith is our focus. Does that mean we're only praying and believing for things and we never work? No. It's just we work from a place of a perspective that not only is open to, but is engaging in God to get involved. That God's not finished yet. That he's still up to something. As good as this season might be, God still has more. As difficult as it might be, God has a way through. That we're never lost and we're never behind if we learn how to leverage our faith because God can do things in a moment that not, no matter work, no matter even fasting and praying can produce. It's a hand of God, but we learn how to hold hands with God when we learn his ways, his principles, and we start framing our perspective, our faith focus is on the faithfulness and the goodness of God. We make room in our mindset that God isn't done and there's miracles available for us. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, what is faith? What is faith? The author of Hebrews says it's this confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It starts in hope. It doesn't start in great spiritual discipline and sacrifice. 
It starts that I just have room enough to believe that God could do something good. I'm hoping for something good. If I could keep my hope and I could believe in him and certain things are going to happen, then I can start to see spiritually things I don't see naturally. That's why faith is our, our focus. It's a way that you see it. It's a, a viewpoint. It's a vision for your life. And some of you, you need faith focus. You have been fear focused, frustration focused. You have been failure focused. And you need to learn to get some faith focus. To start seeing my, the raising of my kids through the eyes of faith. To start seeing my marriage through the eyes of faith. To start seeing my neighborhood by faith. They're going to come to know Jesus. By seeing my workplace as a place God's going to bring promotion and blessing. Because I'm believing by, by faith. That if God is in it, then it ain't done until it's everything he wants it to be. That is a heart filled with faith. 20 plus years ago, I had a friend who got LASIK surgery. Now, he was the first person I ever met. In fact, I've never even heard about it until my friend got LASIK. And he was like, yeah, they're going to take me in and they're going to shoot these lasers into my eyeballs. Okay, I know there's more technical than that for the optometrists and surgeons here, but... They're going to laser my eyeballs. And I'm like, laser in your eyeballs. That sounds like a great plan for you. My friend was blind as a bat pretty much. And he got it done. And and he says, wow, um, I can't believe how good it is now. I didn't know how bad it was. Uh, For these years, I didn't know how bad I really, my my vision really was until I got the light in. Until I had the, the, the physician go to work to remove some things to clear up some issues. He's like, Kyle, I'm seeing life in Technicolor. I wish I would have done it sooner. I wish this technology was available earlier because it has changed my life. And faith will change your life. When you get the great physician at work, when his light comes in and you're not just seeing everything in the dark, he begins to give you a perspective of his kingdom at work in Technicolor in a vision in a way that you've never seen it before. Faith is a viewpoint. Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says this good news, the gospel, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. I want you to understand that we get faith because of the way that God sees us and how good he is. So we start to see him at work in our world. This is accomplished, I love this, from start to finish by faith. It begins and ends in faith. And as the scripture says, it is through faith that the righteous person has life. Righteousness is a gift that we receive from Christ. It's not something that you earn. So as you've received the gift of salvation, it means that God, although he's completed paying for your sins and setting up your forever relationship with God, we know that, that's the gospel, right? That he isn't stopping there because he's not done yet. That salvation is just the beginning of all the great things God wants to do in through your life. See, salvation If that's the beginning and the end for you, then you just stop there. God doesn't need to do a redemptive work. God doesn't need to do any restorative in your life. God, you don't need to believe for any other promises. Now you got the best one, forever with God, freedom from sin, but you didn't get everything else. He hasn't changed you, grown you, matured you in your faith if all it is is salvation. And it's interesting to me that you could believe God for salvation, something that happened 2,000 years ago, and you you didn't see it because you weren't there. 
And we believe this. Our whole life, in fact, our whole eternity is leveraged on the fact that the Son of God died for our sins and the grave couldn't hold him. He rose again and he's coming back again to rule and reign forever. That's a big belief, is it not? And I've said this before, I say it again. If you can believe that, what can't you believe? If it starts and ends in faith and you started with believing the biggest faith decision of your life, then from that place of faith, let's keep believing. Let's keep believing. Because it's interesting that some people would trust God with their eternity, but not their destiny. Everything else is just what you're going to manufacture. Everything else is what you're going to produce on your own ability. Hebrews 11 goes on to say in verse 6, uh, without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone that comes to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those that what earnestly, diligently, I would add this, fervently seek him. That's what my 21 days have been. Maybe you haven't joined in. Maybe this is all new to you. Maybe even this week, you're going to fast and pray because you want to get a focus of faith and start to see things the way that God sees it. He rewards those that go after him. And the same God who saved you has a good plan for you. And yet faith is a decision. Faith is a choice. It is seeing it God's way. Again, it's not pretending that something isn't true. It's believing in a greater truth. For the things that you haven't seen, it's this personal, this personal choice. And there's always, a, I mean, there's always more than one way to see something. Every married couple in here knows exactly what I'm talking about. They see it that way, you see it this way. Like we could be in the same place, looking at the same thing and have a different perspective. Two believers can be looking at a problem and they can both see it from a different perspective. And faith is choosing your perspective based upon the goodness of God, the word of God, and the ways of God. I don't wanna see things just with my own ability. I wanna get this spiritual gift at work in my life called faith, and it's for every single one of us. The way the world looks at things is fear. The way the way world looks at things is your, your fortunes rise and fall based upon happenstance and situation. But the way believers are supposed to look is a faith view that as God is with me, it doesn't matter what is against me. And if he doesn't answer my prayer now, it's because he's gonna do something greater next. That's what faith is, that he is not done. Why do we believe in God that, that, that he's good? Well, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. He gave the greatest sacrifice of all time. And the Bible says that we're now co-heirs with Christ. We're seated in heavenly places. The Bible now says that we get this chance not to just be connection with God or to serve God, that we're sons and daughters of God. And if he is a perfect father that gives good and perfect gifts that come down from him, then he must have something good in store for you. So you frame your perspective on the finished work of the cross and the fact that your father is perfect, perfectly caring, perfectly loving. In fact, Paul tells you can't even sink to the bottom of his love. It knows no end. And if he loves you that much and if he leveraged the life of his own son just to bring you into this relationship, then can you maybe just believe that he's got something good in store for you as a son and for you as a daughter? And this is what we want to develop in the, the culture of this community, the culture of this, of this church. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light. 
Just like LASIK surgery, it's a laser into your eyes that cuts away the old and reveals the new. I'm praying for your faith focus that the eyes of your heart, how you really see, how you really perceive the world around you gets flooded with the goodness of God so that you can see the wonderful future God has promised those that he has called. I think a great story of this, of the changed perspective and changed focus is in this, this kind of amazing little story that's, that's in 2 Kings 6. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just give you the story. Elisha, the great prophet, he, he, his servant goes out. Gehazi is his name, and he's like a prophet, junior prophet, apprentice. He goes out and sees that overnight the enemy came to kill them, and they have surrounded them completely. The enemy was everywhere you could look, 360 around them. Have you ever felt like you've been in a problem like that? It doesn't matter where I turn, everywhere I look, it seems like it's bad. But then Elisha just prays this simple prayer. He says, God, would you open his eyes to really see? So he's seeing naturally, then all of a sudden in the moment, by this miracle grace of God, he sees spiritually. And he sees that not only the army is still there, but around them are so many more warriors that are not of this earth, they're heavenly. The angels showed up and outnumbered. I don't know if there was a 1,000 enemy or a 100 enemy or 10,000. All I know is that the authority in heaven showed up to give Gehazi a look at that God has so much more at work. And so I would say this to you. If all you could see is problems, then you need a faith-focused fix. That I pray that your heart would be enlarged and expanded and God's light would shine in. You begin to say that, hey, we don't just work and toil on the earth. There's some principalities and powers at work. There's a spiritual battle at work. And in the spiritual realm, you already have the victory if you could just get your eyes open. You can already see that those that are for you are greater than what's against you. If God is for you, then what could be against you? Greater is he that's in you than anything that's in this world. This is a faith focus. But there's these myths out there that some people get it, some people don't. Some people get it, some people don't. Now, the Bible says there is a gift of faith, a gift to believe for bigger. Uh, there's a spiritual gift, but this is for all of us. This is for everyone. How many remember these, uh, these kiosks back in the day in the 90s mall? Come on, how many 90s mall goers did we have? I don't know if I've been to a mall since the 90s. But there's these kiosks with like this hidden art these like messy pictures all scribbled up and they're like you, magic art. You like look at it and then people would like stare long enough. It was called a stereogram. And I think it was a stereogram uh, scam. Cause like you could see it all of a sudden if you like lost focus and got focus, if you like waxed on, waxed off, you would see an image come out. Does anyone remember these? Anybody? Am I just the old head up here? Okay. And like if someone got like a dolphin or a butterfly or some sort of other bad lower back tattoo would come out <laughs> of the imagery. And if I just stared long enough, I, I could see, I could get the focus. Right now, I tell you, if you, you ever saw one of those, I'm just gonna tell you right now, you need to repent for lying. Because I'm telling you, I fasted and prayed to be able to see one of those, and it never, it never happened. All the strain, no gain. Faith isn't your effort, it's your angle. It's your angle. It's not even about your own ability. It's about how do you see God's ability? How do you see God's promises? How do you see yourself to God? That's what opens your eyes to actually see things that are not there as if they were. You can begin to see that the spiritual things are greater than the natural things. 
It's not what you see, it's the perspective you see it in. And so our eyes of this culture, listen, they're not even just for ourselves. This is how you can believe God for more and not make it that old, like, hey, I'm just gonna have all this blessing and favor because God just loves me so much. And yes, he does love you so much. But he also wants to lead you to a life that is sacrificial to make a difference for all of eternity. That's where your real worth is at. When you take what God has done in your life here and in your family and the blessings of God, and we participate in the building of the kingdom that lasts for forever. That's why we say people are the promised land. This is why we participate in church because we believe God wants more sons and daughters that are lost and prodigals to come back home. And so we, we believe our community actually builds faith together. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter one, verse 12. I mean that I want us, Paul writes, to, to help each other with the faith we have. You got a little, I got a little, you got a lot, I got a lot. We're gonna bring it together because your faith will help me and my faith will help you. That's why I'm excited even about our Kingdom City partnership in February. We're gonna talk about how we're gonna collaborate greater for moves of God in our city to take more ground for the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In a world that's gone crazy, we believe we're building something significant and everlasting. We believe we're after something that God has and it takes all of our faith working together. Because truly faith is about moving the mission forward. The mission of God for your life, the mission for God for this house, the mission that God has for this city. There's another great example in, in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. In between this Exodus story of getting out of the old and this Joshua story of getting in the new, there's this defining moment in a generation. That's big words, is it not? A generation's defining moment of choice. Not of even a problem, but of a perspective. And, and so they're right on the border of busting into the promised land. And Moses gathers these 12 really young leaders from each tribe. So the whole group of people, this is the one best from each tribe, one best young man leader. And they're gonna send 12 of them in to go check it out, maybe get a strategy, go see what it's like. Maybe go even confirm what people have told them like or what God has shared with them. And so they send these 12 spies and, and they go in, they go visit the land. If you've been to church at all, you know this story. And they come back with a report and the port's not just mixed, it's totally lopsided. It's 10 v 2, that yes, it's good. All 12 say it's good. But 10 say, God can't. We can't. They looked at themselves, and somehow in the last two years, only two years have passed since the Red Sea. And by the way, like no days have passed since God fed them with manna every single day. There were miracles every day. And yet somehow in two years of a little bit of wandering in a wilderness season, they lost sight and perspective of how powerful their God is. What has taken your faith hostage these last two years, these last two months, these last 20 years? Where did you used to believe and see it? And now you see it through negativity, cynicism, and doubt. What does God want to stir up in you? So 10 say no, two say yes. Same pedigree different perspectives. Joshua and Caleb, we all know them. How many know someone named Joshua? How many know someone named Caleb? Zero of you know a person named Palti, Shemoa, Shaphat. I will not make a joke there, but I have several. Nobody knows those people, why? They don't matter. Critics don't matter. Cynics don't matter. 
Those whose on position is in the negative flow, it don't matter. Quit allowing your life, your life for God, your life with your family to be ruled over by opinions that don't bring in the perspective of heaven. Because we don't remember any of them, but Joshua and Caleb, they are OG. We got a lot of Joshua's in this world. We got a lot of Caleb's. Why? They're heroes. What's the difference? Were they better warriors? Were they better leaders? We don't know that. All we know is that when they had a choice, they chose faith. They chose God's goodness. That was the perspective, and that was their focus. And so what was in their future? After 38 years of frustration, they got what God had for them. And a new generation enters into the promised place because they didn't have the doubt of the ten ruling. Nobody remembers the critics, but the impact lives on. What criticism and cynicism and doubt has lived on in you for far too long? And in 2024, we're shaking out the God can'ts and we're believing that God wills. That God will see it through. And I don't know about you, but my heart for you as a pastor is I don't want you to wander in the wilderness another day when all that needs to change is your focus. All that needs to change is your perspective. I want to see you in the promised land, whatever that looks like in 2024, whatever that looks like for your marriage, I want to see you enter in something God's already going to say I give you access to. If you can just see it the way that I see it, you can have it the way that God wants it. The fear view is an exaggeration of the problem or the struggle. Numbers 13, it's magnificent land. It is with milk and honey. They strapped up, the Bible tells us, uh, uh, um, a cluster of grapes so big, it took two grown men to carry it on their back. How many know that's fertile? That's amazing. I mean, with inflation, how many think those grapes are worth now? That's like gold. (laughs) So they knew it was good. So God didn't lie about that. But what about the rest of it? It caused them to quit on. They quit on believing that God could do what he said. The people living there are powerful. And their cities are fortified and large. What's more, we saw the Anakin. The giants are there. Theologians would say the Anakin were not very many and they were not warring people. They were just big. But all they could see is their natural. Why were they? And somehow in two years, they just could see how, what they could do. Two years ago, the Red Sea opened up. Two years ago, God brought plagues on their enemy. Two years ago, Pharaoh, the leader of the world at that time, was defeated because of God. Two years ago, they got out of their old, but they never got into the new because they did not change their focus. They forgot what they had seen. What have you forgotten that God's done for you? What current frustration has stopped your focus and perspective from seeing the promises and the goodness of God and building your faith? I think God will show you, and once you say, God, forgive me for doubting your ability and your power in my life. When you get that out of the way, it's like the LASIK surgery gets cleared out, and all of a sudden, you see the world, and you see yourself in this world in a way you never pictured it before. These are the eyes of faith. They said they couldn't do it, but two said they can. And number 1331 said, the other spies said, they will crush us. So the majority report of the spies was negative. It just took two years to lose their faith. A negative report is usually always a majority viewpoint. That people just see things the way that they are, but not the people of God. 
I'll just say this, not the people of Kingdom City Church. That we're just gonna choose in faith to see through the focus of God's faithfulness, God's goodness, we're gonna see that God's still involved because guess what? You still got a heartbeat and breath in your lungs. God is not finished with your life yet. And you might have messed it up in your own time. Guess what? God redeems things in all times. And then we start seeing things the way that God sees them and we'll start to experience it the way that God wants it. It can't be done, they said, and they were right in their own ability. But they limited the ability of God. And that negative attitude was contagious. It was contagious, it caught on. Caught on in a whole generation. I, I, I've seen that and sensed that in the world that we live in now. The negativity just gets listened to a whole lot more than a positive perspective about the goodness of God. This is why you need voices of faith in your life. Remember we looked earlier, we share faith together and it builds all of us. That's why you need a church family. Before we even get to February and the partnership, go to day to next steps. If you're new to our church, see if this is a fit for you because your faith and your future needs right friends and right relationships to push you forward into what God has for you. 38 years later, they get into the promised land with the new generation. And when they get there, one of the first conversations they have with someone, in fact, even before they're spying it out again, they say in Jericho, which is what they were so afraid of, is this walled city. Is everyone tracking with me? In Jericho, they'd say to him, we've been trembling in fear fear of you for four decades. We've been so worried about you and your God that we've just been hiding out, counting down the days till your God shows up. We're intimidated you. Do you know that the enemy is intimidated with you? If you would finally get a faith perspective, finally be to see that God is good and at work, Finally, just trust that he's not done yet, even when it's struggling, even when it's difficult, even in setbacks and delays, the destiny is still right in front of you. You'll find out that the enemy is afraid and intimidated of you. We always exaggerate the struggle instead of exalting our God. Some of you have a low viewpoint of yourself. That's what steals your faith. Remember in Numbers 13, again, they said, we look like grasshoppers. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And it must be the same to them. It wasn't. For 40 years, they've been intimidated. They were no grasshoppers. They were sons and daughters of a king. They were God's hands on their life. But their perspective of themselves was insecure. It was intimidated. Insecurity of who you are will stop you from what God has. And so what do we do to change that? We start defining our worth and our value based upon the one who made us, created us, and planned our life from beginning to end. We are sons and daughters of God. Did we earn it? No, we received it because of Jesus. The grace of God is enough for your life. That if you are alive, he is still working. In fact, our Bible says that, 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 that God traded Jesus for humanity, and he would have done the exchange if it was just for one of us. That, that means just for you. Like, that's how valuable you are to God. I don't know about you, John, Don, that's just for you. That it, he would have done everything that we read about in the Gospels if it was just for my friend here. I don't know about you, but that's for, true for all of us. And if he would do that for me and he's not done yet, then I need to change my perspective. Because I might not be, I, well, none of us are perfect. 
but I don't have to be insecure in who I am because the one whose opinion matters the most and can make the most difference in the world already said 2,000 years ago, I accept you, I desire you, I designed you, I destined you, and I died for you. And I rose again to empower you to live a different way, the faith way. This is why we live by faith. You have crazy high worth. So get rid of your low view of yourself and start to know your value of who you are in Christ. So what did they do? They ended up just blaming God that it wouldn't work and they never went to work. Book of James says that faith requires a work, requires a move, requires a step that there is a natural participation piece with this spiritual belief. It doesn't mean you're believing God for financial breakthrough and you, you empty your bank account and buy all the lottery tickets you can. That, that's not a faith move. That's a leap of foolishness. It says it, it's a step of faith. He ordains the steps of people. So what does it mean? It just means one little step just to believe that God's up to something. One little act of obedience. One little place of participation. It says, God, I know you, you might be waiting to go to work, and I don't know how this is going to work, but I'll trust you in this one little step. Can 2024, can we just every day take one little step? Destiny is a daily decision. Can we just take one little step of faith every single day and watch and see these incremental little moves begin to bring a momentum of heaven in your life? By the time we get to uh, December 31st, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I remember where I was at the end of the fast in January, and I remember how God got me here. And honestly, when I look back, I don't know how we did it. All I know is I just kept moving forward, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like I went from zero to 60 because the hand of God, which I humbled myself under, began to lift me up and promote me into the place that he promised me in his scripture. They'd rather go back to slavery where it was predictable than get into the promised land. So what do we do instead? We begin to allow our faith to enlarge. Allow your faith to grow. What does faith do? It enlarges what? Your God view. It magnifies his heart for me. When I choose faith as my focus, it gives me a bigger view of God and who I am to him and how much he cares about me. And when he gets big, and you know he loves you big, your problems actually get real, real small. Remember, Jesus says in Luke 1, nothing's impossible for God. No situation, no problem of your own creating is impossible for God to get you out and to get you through. And this is what we have the substance of what we are hoping for. If you could just get a little bit of hope to rise up, and it is not based upon what you've seen, it's based upon who God is to you. And if he's good, and he's faithful, and he loves you, and he really is a perfect father, which he's proven at the cross, he would give his one and only for you, that you could have a little bit of hope, and if you get a little bit of faith, your eyes will get up, because what hope rises, and you begin to see that God's not done, and there's promised places on the horizon for my life. I'm preaching a little bit better than you're letting on, so just act like right now, the Chiefs get the opening kickoff, and take it to the house, and we don't look back. And so there's the energy in the room, and the idolatry. Uh, faith is like a key that opens the door for God's best. Little key, Lock, big door of destiny. Little key, put the key in. Those little, those, the, the, little, the little parts in there, just little tiny little things come into alignment and something that was impossible, closed, becomes open. Jesus says like little seed. It's like faith. 
mustard seed. It's tiny. And yet, as it gets into a place unseen, as it gets planted in your heart and your life, little steps every day, destiny's daily decision, all of a sudden, you know, it begins to grow and it becomes one of the greatest plants, one of the greatest trees around, but it starts small. It says, faith, if I want to unlock God's plan for 2024, it might just be some small places of obedience that are the key of opening the door of destiny for my life. And it says, you cannot even see what's happening until you step in and start to do it. And then God does something phenomenal. Jesus says, Mark 11, if you just have some faith, you could speak to mountains and they'd be thrown into the sea. Jesus isn't saying you can redo geography. What he's saying is that the thing you didn't create can be recreated when you activate faith. The problem that existed in your family's lineage, you had nothing to do with, but it came to you. The brokenness of the world that we live in, even your bad decisions. Maybe you did make some mountain of messes in your life. By faith, God can move that from one place to the other. And it's the littlest things that do the biggest of moves. What's the mountain that you need to move in your life? Unbelief. Maybe it's a financial hardship. Maybe it's a anxious and tormented and fearful thoughts plague you. Those are big things in your life, but none of it is too big for God. And if you speak to them, believe in them, use the little key, the little seed, watch and see, God will remove all of them. I want you to understand this. When I move in faith, my faith moves God. So you can read that and say, oh, I'm forcing God to do something. Not at all. But God is waiting, again, James, book of James, for that one step that says, I trust you. And then if I make a move, I believe it will move God. Because we don't force him, but we do follow him. And I promise you, he's not just one step ahead of you. He's eternity ahead of you, but he's also right here with you. So when he's speaking to your heart by the Holy Spirit or something in the word challenges the way that you live and you choose to make a faith step to obey that or to follow the prompting of God in your heart, that little step that you take, God begins to show up in that place. Could it be that he is just waiting, something you've been wishing for? Because there's a big difference between a wish and a dream and faith. Faith makes a plan and faith has a perspective that God's at work. A wish is just someday when. Wouldn't it be nice? And I say, God, I actually believe this is for me. I feel your word encouraging me to take this perspective and to hold on to this promise. I feel your spirit leading me to just one little move. And if I will make that move, God will move. And I'm telling you, you need a move of God in your life, you might be one step away from seeing God's hand go to work in every opportunity that you give him. The Bible says that God takes pleasure in the success of his saints. Not only is he a good and perfect father that gives every good and perfect gift, he takes pleasure in your success. Faith unlocks the God future in your life. There's a God future. You haven't seen it yet. As good as it might be, you're not done. As bad as it might be, here we go. He wants to start. He begins to unlock the God future. God dreams just become a reality. Second Corinthians 1, no matter how many promises are in God's word, 7,000 plus of them. They are yes and amen in Christ. Now don't just Google it. Go read it for yourself in the word because you're going to get the perspective in the context. It's not that, hey, you're having financial difficulties and you read about Jesus uh, sending him to go get fish and, and get the gold coin out of the mouth of the fish. And then now all of a sudden you're going to Bass Pro because you, 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 you need to pay your mortgage. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that sometimes God might use normal things 
For them, fishing normal. For them, fishing their profession before they accepted to their calling. For them, it was their work, and God made it work miraculously. So your faith perspective would be, okay, God, if you said that to them and you provided what they needed and did not have, then I can use what I already do, but I'm inviting you in. It's not just the work of my hand. I'm humbled under your hand. And if I do what you tell me to do and I bring my best to work, instead of doing the minimum and wanting the maximum, I do the maximum and want even more from God. He will provide all of your needs, even in a supernatural way when I take a natural step of obedience. That's how to hold to a promise. In the Old Testament, there's so many dreamers, God dreams, so many doers of great works. If you read about it in Hebrews 11, it's just a little list of all these crazy, amazing, wonderful people. Imperfect, the Bible says just like you and me, but did great things for God. And you can read about it and be like, wow, isn't it great what God did in Esther's life? Isn't it great what God did through Moses and God did through Joshua? Or you could realize, listen, they were doing all that without the everyday presence of the Holy Spirit in here. They were doing all of that without the whole story of God's redemptive work for humanity. Jesus said about John the Baptist, there's never gonna be one like him. And yet, he also said right after that, that the very first or the least in this new kingdom is greater. Does that mean you're more significant than John the Baptist? Not at all. It just means what you have access to in this new covenant through Christ is greater than what what he had. And so you need to start framing your world and your perspective through the promises of God. And don't just be a dreamer, be a doer. What are you afraid to ask God of? If he truly wants to do more than you could hope, dream, or imagine, more than you could wildly even think about through you that's bigger than you, that matters for all of eternity, then what do you need to start asking? Don't be afraid anymore. Faith holds on to a promise even in the midst of tough times. I'm in closing here. Thank you. I'll be going a little long. I'm very fired up for this fast and what God's doing. And I believe there's a move of God. I don't say that lightly. I actually believe the precursor of a revival is in seed form right here, right now. God's just looking for some people that will plant it. God's looking for some people that will water it. God's looking for some people of faith that would believe it and start to frame their world and frame our city with the perspective of faith to him who is able to do above and beyond, exceedingly abundantly. To him who is able, not for our glory, for the glory of God through Christ. For him who is able to open up the Red Seas and rescue his people. For him who is able to bring down the walls of Jericho, to him who is able to knock the giant Goliath right at him, knock him out, to him who is able to feed the multitudes, to him who is able to save you from your sin, to him who is able to bring the dead back to life, he is at work. Will we participate in the plan? Will we choose the perspective of faith and say faith is going to be our focus? Final story, remember, Peter gets out of the boat, walks on water. Come on, don't act like, we grew up in church and sometimes these stories become normal. There's a snake talking. Yeah, that's in the Bible, snake talking. No, there's a dude on water. That's the impossible. Now, what happened in this story? Real quick, Jesus says, he's actually mourning the loss of John the Baptist. Needs some time to himself. 
okay? Jesus has got a little introvert in him. And Jesus says, you guys go to the other side. I'll see you over there. I'll see you when I see you. See you on the other side. Catch you on the flip is what Jesus said. And then they're in a storm. And the Bible says it's the fourth watch. It's between the hours of three and six. It's fourth quarter. They've been rowing, rowing, rowing. It's about five miles. It's not a very big piece of water, but they're stuck in the middle. All that energy, they haven't got there. But I'm just doing what Jesus told me to do. I'm staying faithful. I'm showing up in church. I'm praying. Man, I tried to fast a little. It was hard, but you know, I gave my best. I'm trying to be a giver, and it's hard for me right now, but I'm doing my best. I'm just obeying Jesus. But he told me to go this way, and now this? Come on, how many ever had one of those moments? I was just trying to do what's right, and now it's all, everything coming against me. So to me, it speaks to the fact that I don't think Jesus created that storm, nor was he unaware of it. Jesus didn't have an app that says, hey, the storm's coming. That's why he's like, hey, I'm gonna hang back. Y'all go ahead. No, he, he created everything. He knows exactly what's going to happen. And as they get out in that boat, by the way, I've been in the Sea of Galilee, it ain't that big. I think for there to be a storm that great that they thought they were gonna drown meant there was a demonic activity happening. I'm just going on the leverage on that one. I, I don't know if that's all in there, but it's what I see. I, I've just seen it from my own eyes. And I'm telling you, I can't imagine a storm so great that, that 12 grown men couldn't get across to the other side. Some sort of demonic resistance was happening, yet Jesus sends them into it anyway. And then he shows up walking on the water. And they say him at first that I don't know how far away he is. I don't know if the rain is clouding the perspective, but they first say, it's a ghost. And then one of them says, no, wait. I think that's Jesus. And they say, Lord, if that's you, Peter cries out. I love what he says. Lord, if that's you, not you come here. God, I need you here. Take some steps here. He says, Lord, if that's you, tell me, command me to go to where you are. Oh my gosh, not row where you are. I want to walk with you are. Why? Because I want to be like you. I want to live like you. I want to ride above the storms like you. I want to speak to storms and they silence like you. I want to see the, the multiplication anointing that's on Jesus. Peter says, I want that on my life. I want to pray over the food and be able to feed the hungry. I want to set the captives free. I want to be in on the kingdom like Jesus was. Jesus, I want the culture of your life to be the calling of my life. I want to be where you are. And that first step out of the boat, guys, are you kidding me? That first step, that's a big step. But it was a physical act of a spiritual belief. This is our faith. I'm gonna put that foot out. I know Peter, he probably gave a little push down. Come on, and all of a sudden, oh wait, this can carry my weight. If Jesus said it, even though I can't see how this is naturally possible, I'm gonna believe it and then I will experience it. I'm gonna have a faith focus. He steps out, not just one step, but two, not just two steps, but three. He's all the way making his way around. So what is he saying? God, Jesus said, come to where I am. So if Jesus commanded it, he must be able to sustain it, right? That's what he's saying. Are we all tracking with me? But then something happens in the middle. What? He changes his perspective. He lost focus. So he was once looking at Jesus and leaning in and walking towards Jesus. And now he's looking around at the circumstance. He's looking at the situation. He's looking at the struggle of what they've just been going through the last several hours. And he lost sight of the one who told him to come, who told him what he had for him on the other side. 
Oh, this happens to us all the time. We got out of the boat of our yesterday, but we are not where Jesus has told us to go. We've taken some steps and all of a sudden we feel like we're sinking. We're sinking in the business we felt like God called us to start. We're sinking in the marriage that we felt like God brought together. I'm sinking in the relationships that I thought were something God had for me. I'm sinking in doubt and despair. I've lost my hope and my peace because why? I'm now looking at the circumstances, not the promise keeper who called me out into the impossible. And so for us, we cannot see Jesus face to face. But we have the word, and Jesus says, I am the word that became flesh and dwelt among you. So when I've lost sight and I'm looking at the storms and I'm starting to sink, I need to change my focus. And if you want a faith, faith focus, this is where you get it. It says the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. The Bible tells me that he who begun this good work in me is faithful to complete it the day of Jesus Christ. It says that he had plans that he has for me are good plans, says the Lord, to prosper me. And when it ends, I might go through some stuff, but it's going to end good, good for my life. He wanted me to be married and he wanted to bless my union. He wants my kids to fulfill their God-given purpose. I start looking back to the promise and then Jesus, not Peter, saves him. When I get faith focused again, when I feel like it's all been stripped away and I'm drowning, I don't have to grab onto Jesus. He grabs a hold of me. This is the grace and mercy of God that's been made available today. Listen, today for some of you that have given up faith, that have given up hope, that have lost your perspective because of the problems you have faced, I'm here to tell you nothing in your life, even the storms of your own creating, can stop Jesus from taking you into the promised land if you will fix your focus on Him. You can have the impossible things that God has for you if you will look to him again. And so this beginning of the year, that's what we're after. But the culture of this house, the culture of our life is the culture of heaven. And faith is our focus. Not 2024, not the political climate, not the economy, not your job review, not what's currently happening in your family, what has God spoken to you? And when you're sinking, look back, cry out, he's there. It is a faith rest, restoration. It's a faith rescue season. And my Bible says when I'm in the miry clay, if I call upon him, he'll take me out of the pit of despair that I can never get myself unstuck and he will put me on a solid rock called salvation. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for every heart, every life. From this day forward, we choose faith as our focus. We thank you, God, that you might have called us to do some things that we don't know how it's going to happen, or maybe we've given up halfway, but I thank you that we get this refocus of our faith, that the eyes of our heart, they begin enlightened by your goodness and by your grace, and you change our perspective in our inner world, and we start to see our outer world the way that God sees it, that nothing is impossible to him who believes. So God, where we have played it safe or live scared, we now surrender to you again. God of all grace, meet with us today. And we will not sink in this mess. We're not gonna, we're not gonna drown in this drama of this world. We're gonna cry out to Jesus, refocus on the word that became flesh, and he will rescue us and restore us. And we will get to the other side of our calling and our purpose, because if God is for us. Can you answer that question for yourself, church? Is he for you? Is he for you? 
I got one cross and three nails that says, yes, he is. Yes, he is. I got an empty grave that says, yes, he is. I got an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that says, yes, he is. I got the fact that you showed up to church today, you tuned in today, that says, yes, he is. If you are still alive and it ain't good, God ain't done. Yes, he is faithful to accomplish his heavenly purpose in your life and in your heart in the name of Jesus. Stand in this moment of prayer. Those watching online at Lansing, right here in the room, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you cannot get to your calling. You cannot get to your purpose. You cannot get to God apart from him. And we gotta receive this gift. The cry out from our current place, sinking in our sin, trapped in the storm, is just say, Jesus, I need you. And he rescue us by his grace. For some of you, you've prayed that prayer of savior, but you've not given that place of ownership and authority called king. It's been stirring so much in Liz and I's heart that he is King Jesus over everything in our lives. So for those that have never said yes to the grace of God, today is your day, a new beginning, a forever relationship with God. And for those that have prayed it, and you know your life, you've been looking at other places, going other places, stepping back where you used to step in, and you are sinking right now. You need to cry out to King Jesus to rescue you and restore you, and I promise you, he will be faithful, and he will make up the difference even your own mistakes have brought. But it starts with a surrender moment, and we're gonna pray that together as a family of faith. And if you are here right now, if you're online, if you're at Lansing, and you need a fresh start with Jesus for the first time, or to make him king in your life over everything, do not go through this message. If he's not king, do not miss this moment. Here we go, near the end of January, to surrender not just your year, but your eternity to him and put him on the throne of your heart. If you're here and Jesus isn't first, you're going to miss out, but today is your day. You do not have to miss it. You can grab a hold of his grace. It is right there for you. If you need to put Jesus first or come back to him for the very first time, give your heart to him. We just raise your hand. It's one act of humility. No one's looking around. It's just you and God. There's one of you. There's two of you. It's awesome. Anyone else says, hey, I need a fresh start with Jesus. Three of you. Beautiful. Four of you. That's awesome. Anyone else? One last moment. Maybe that's you online. Let us know you're making this decision to follow Jesus. That's beautiful. Can we pray this prayer? All together as one family of faith. Say this with me. Say, thank you, God. Say, thank you, God, for your incredible love. I believe you so loved me that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. They are paid in full. I am forgiven. From this moment on, I put you first in my life. I'm not looking back, and I'm not going down. You got me. You're king. From this moment on, I'm going after you. Lead me to the plan you have for me. I will see the goodness of God. I will experience his best. I'm going to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate everybody who prayed that prayer? One last moment. Hey, if you prayed that prayer particularly, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know what? God's doing something in your heart. On your way out, there's a Bible for you, but more than just a Bible, because you might have one of those, is a connecting point for a next step for you to take. And it's not just come back to church, that's a part of this thing. Keep showing up, God will keep showing up. But grab all that Bible, there's some next steps for you to take to build your faith. So those that prayed the prayer of surrender and put him as king of your life, you're not praying that prayer again three months from now, you're actually coming from this place and on to all that he has for you. Did you guys get anything out of the message today? I apologize. I'm going to apologize. That was one long preach. Y'all forgive me? Okay. 
We've got an hour and 19 minutes until we walk in more victory in Jesus' name. And then, hey, whether we're celebrating or just, you know, enjoying a moment of humility and realizing God still has a great plan for our life, um, if it's just win or lose, uh, be back here. Be back here if you can. 6.30, 7.30. God's gonna do something really special as we pray together in unity. Amen? I'm praying for you this week, church. If you didn't drop off your Connect card, what you're believing for, drop it off. And we'll see you tonight, or we will see you next Sunday. God bless you as you go.